and welcome to Always Responding, a podcast for all first responders. I'm KB, a 19-year veteran with law enforcement. For those new to the podcast, welcome and thank you. And to those coming back, we truly appreciate you. And we hope we are able to open lines of communication between you, your family, co-workers, and administration. I like to say, we here at Always Responding are all in this together. Always Responding pays tribute to first responders who paid the ultimate sacrifice and were killed in the line of duty. I read the names of any law enforcement officer who was killed between the last episode and this one. Unfortunately, those numbers keep rising, and we are up to 124 officers killed in the line of duty this year so far. Here are the names of the latest officers who've paid the ultimate sacrifice. Senior Corrections Officer Daniel Sincavage, New Jersey Department of Corrections, New Jersey. End of watch, Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Senior Corrections Officer Daniel Sincavage was killed in a vehicle crash on Route 47 in Maurice River Township about 10.45 p.m. He and another officer were driving from one section of the Southern State Correctional Facility to another when his vehicle left the roadway, struck a tree, and became engulfed in flames. Officer Sincavage has served with the New Jersey Department of Corrections for 20 years. He is survived by his wife and three children. He was 41 years old and had been with the department for 20 years. Correction Officer the 4th, Jade Drennan, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, Correctional Institute Division, Texas. End of watch, Thursday, May 19, 2022. Correctional Officer 4, Jade Drennan, died as a result of contracting COVID-19 while serving at the Roof Jordan Unit at 1992 Helton Road in Pampa. Officer Drennan had served with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Correction Institution Division for two years. She is survived by her husband and daughter. She was 39 years old and been with the department for two years. Officer Trainee Cody Allen Olson, United States Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, Office of Field Operation, U.S. Government. End of watch, Friday, May 20th, 2022. Officer Trainee Cody Olson died while suffering a medical emergency while training at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Brunswick, Georgia. Officer Olson had served with the United States Customs and Border Protection Office of Field Operations for four months and was assigned to the Pimba Port of Entry in North Dakota. He is survived by his wife, sister, and grandmother. He was 26 years old and has been with the department for four months. Police Officer Houston Ryan Tipping, Los Angeles Police Department, California. End of watch, Sunday, May 29, 2022. Police Officer Houston Tipping succumbed to injuries sustained three days earlier during a training scenario at the Alaysen Police Academy. He was participating in a defense tactics scenario with another officer when he fell and suffered a spinal cord injury. Other officers immediately began CPR before he was transported to a local hospital. He succumbed to his injuries on May 29, 2022. Officer Tipping had served with the Los Angeles Police Department for five years and was assigned to the Devonshire Division. He is survived by his parents, stepfather, and two siblings. He was 32 years old been with the department for five years. Officer Adrian Lopez Sr., White Mountain Apache Tribal Police Department, Tribal Police. End of watch, Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Officer Adrian Lopez was shot and killed during a traffic stop on East Fork Road in White River, Arizona, about 7.10 p.m. An altercation occurred between Officer Lopez and the driver during which Officer Lopez was fatally shot. The subject then stole Officer Lopez's patrol vehicle and fled the scene with other White Mountain Apache police in pursuit. The pursuit traveled almost 40 miles before officers and the subject exchanged shots near Holly Lake, during which another officer was wounded and the subject was killed. Officer Lopez was a U.S. Army veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. 
He served with the White Mountain Apache Tribal Police Department for five months and had previously served 10 months with the United States Department of Interior Bureau of Indian Affairs Office of Justice Services in Wind River, Wyoming. He is survived by his wife and two children. He was 35 years old. He had been with the department for one year and three months. Badge number P219. Deputy Sheriff Thomas E. Baker III, Nicholas County Sheriff's Department, West Virginia. End of watch, Friday, June 3, 2022. Deputy Sheriff Tom Baker was shot and killed after he and another deputy responded to a domestic disturbance in the Birch River area of the county. He and his partner were talking to two men who had come out of a trailer. Both men ran back into the trailer as the deputies pursued them and attempted to apprehend them by deploying a taser. Once inside the trailer, the men opened fire on the deputies. Deputy Baker was struck in the back and his partner was wounded in the leg as they sought cover outside of the trailer. Despite their wounds, they were able to return fire and one of the men was killed. The second man was apprehended following a barricade and was charged with first-degree murder. Deputy Baker had served in law enforcement for a total of 19 years. Prior to joining the Nicholas County Sheriff's Department, he served with the Cohen Police Department, Somerville's Police Department, Raleigh County Sheriff's Department, and the Federal Bureau of Prisons. He is survived by his wife and two children. He was 48 years old. Badge number 223. Police Officer Christopher Ferrillo, Tallahassee Police Department, Florida. End of watch, Wednesday, June 8, 2022. Police Officer Christopher Ferrillo was killed when his patrol car was struck head-on at the intersection of Capitol Circle Northwest and Northwest Passage by a vehicle being pursued by other officers. Around 12.30 a.m., the Tallahassee Police Department received a call about an assault. An investigation revealed that a subject entered his home, shot and wounded three of his family members, then fled in his vehicle. As the Leon County Sheriff's Office and Tallahassee Police Department encountered the vehicle at North Monroe Street and Capitol Circle Northwest, the subject turned his vehicle around, drove towards oncoming traffic, and collided with Officer Frillo's patrol car. Officer Frillo was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The subject was also taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. He was later charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, homicide, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. Officer Frillo had served with the Tallahassee Police Department for four years and had previously served with Wilton Manors Police Department. He was 34 years old, been with the department for four years. Senior Investigator Kyle Patterson, Florida Fish and Wild Conservation Commission, Florida. End of watch, Thursday, June 9, 2022. Senior Investigator Kyle Patterson succumbed to injuries sustained in a head-on collision in Okeechobee Road near South Header Canal Road in Fort Pierce. A driver was traveling eastbound in the westbound lanes when they crashed into Investigator Patterson's Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission truck at about 12 p.m. The driver of the other vehicle was also killed. Investigator Patterson was airlifted to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Investigator Patterson had served with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission for 15 years. He is survived by his wife and young children. He was 35 years old, been with the department for 15 years. Police Officer Kenneth Kroom, Meridian Police Department, Mississippi. End of watch, Thursday, June 9, 2022. Police Officer Kenneth Kroom was shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call at the 2400 block of 51st Avenue, in Meridian at 5.30 p.m. Other officers responding to the call discovered that Officer Kroom and a victim of the domestic violence had been shot. Both were pronounced dead a short time later. The male suspect had fled the scene but was arrested the following morning by members of the United States Marshal Service Task Force in Choctaw County. Officer Kroom has served with Meridian Police Department for almost two years and previously served with the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office, Jackson Police Department, Brookhaven Police Department, and Hines County Sheriff's Office. He was 30 years old and been with the department for nine years. Detective Justin Terry, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, Nevada. End of watch, Friday, June 10, 2022. 
Detective Justin Terry was killed when a steel height restriction beam fell onto his department vehicle on US-95 near Route 215 at about 7 a.m. The beam had been installed to prevent over-height vehicles from entering the construction zone where a new overpass was being built. A tractor-trailer pulling a piece of large equipment struck the beam, causing it to fall onto Detective Terry's vehicle as he also drove beneath it. Detective Terry had served with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department for 21 years, and he was assigned to the Homicide Sex Crimes Bureau. He is survived by his wife and two sons. He was 45 years old, been with the department for 21 years. Deputy First Class Glenn Hilliard, Wicomico County Sheriff's Office, Maryland, end of watch Sunday, June 12, 2022. Deputy First Class Glenn Hilliard was shot and killed in Pittsville while attempting to arrest a man wanted on multiple felony warrants from several jurisdictions. Deputy Gilliard saw the man leaving his apartment on Gumboro Road and attempted to arrest him. The men fled on foot and then opened fire on Deputy Hilliard as he pursued him. Deputy Hilliard was fatally wounded during the shooting. The man continued to flee after shooting Deputy Hilliard but was arrested later in the night. He was charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, first-degree assault, second-degree assault, reckless endangerment, and the use of a firearm in the commission of a violent crime. Deputy Hilliard had served with the Wicomico County Sheriff's Office for six years and had previously served with the Berlin Police Department for 10 years. He is survived by his wife and three children. He was 41 years old. Corporal Michael Pardes, El Monte Police Department, California. End of watch, Tuesday, June 14, 2022. Corporal Michael Parties and police officer Joseph Santana were shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call on Garvey Avenue. At 4.45 p.m., Corporal Parties and Officer Santana responded to a report of a possible stabbing between a boyfriend and girlfriend. When they arrived at the hotel room, they were met with gunfire. The subject fled into the parking lot, and responding officers exchanged gunfire with the suspect. Both officers were taken to the L.A. County USC Medical Center, where they succumbed to their wounds. The subject was shot and killed. Corporal Party served with the El Monte Police Department for 22 years. He is survived by his wife, son, and daughter. Police Officer Joseph Santana was also part of the shooting that occurred with Corporal Parties. He was shot and killed in the line of duty on Tuesday, June 14th as well. Officer Santana has served with the El Monte Police Department for one year and previously served with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office. He is survived by his wife, daughter, and twin sons. Deputy Sheriff Austin Melvin Richardson, Fremont County Sheriff's Office, Iowa. End of watch, Tuesday, June 14, 2022. Deputy Sheriff Melvin Richardson succumbed to injuries sustained in the collision with a harvesting combine. At 12.35 p.m., the combine was traveling southbound on Highway 275. Deputy Richardson was driving northbound when his vehicle collided with the combine. The combine was wider than the lane, and Deputy Richardson's left front tire collided with the machine. Deputy Richardson had served with the Fremont County Sheriff's Office for seven years and had served in law enforcement for more than 15 years. He had previously served with the Sydney Police Department and Auburn Police Department. He is survived by his wife and three children. He was 37 years old, been with the department for 15 years, badge number 36-4. Always responding pays tribute to all first responders who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. We will now read the names of those brave Firefighters who lost their lives in the line of duty. Firefighter fatalities in the United States currently set at 52. Here are the names of the latest who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Terry Lee Cassidy, firefighter, Cromwell, Indiana, into watch May 26, 2022. 
On Monday, May 23rd, 2022, firefighter Terry Lee Cassidy responded to a medical emergency at a residence. While assisting at the scene, firefighter Cassidy started experiencing symptoms of a heart attack. He was immediately transported to the local hospital, where he remained until his passing. On Thursday, May 26, 2022, Terry was 64 years old. Brandon Yeager, firefighter driver, Bethany Volunteer Fire Department, Reedsville, North Carolina, in the watch May 31st, 2022. On Tuesday, May 31st, firefighter driver Brandon Yeager, while on duty at the fire station, was found deceased in his bunk room. The nature of the death is pending. Brandon was 32 years old. Christopher Allen, driver and engineer, Hollywood Fire and Rescue and Beach Safety, Hollywood, Florida. On Sunday, June 5th, driver engineer Christopher Allen left the firehouse after working a 48-hour shift in which he responded to numerous calls doing reconnaissance for the fire department. On Monday, June 6th, at approximately 3.30 a.m., while at home, he was not feeling well. 911 was called, and he was immediately transported to the hospital where he passed away from a heart attack a short time later. Christopher was 58 years old. Stephen A. Ferron, fire ex-chief, Hapaj, New York. I hope I pronounced that right. End of watch, June 11th, 2022. On Saturday, June 11th, firefighter ex-chief Stephen A. Ferron was operating a water exercise as part of a training class. He suffered a medical emergency and was immediately transported to the hospital where he passed away a short time later. The cause and nature of his fatal injury are unknown at this time. Stephen was 49 years old. Douglas Clemens, fire engineer paramedic, Bartow, Florida. End of watch June 14th, 2022. On Tuesday, June 14th, while on duty at the fire station, fire engineer paramedic Douglas Clemens experienced a medical emergency. He was immediately transported to the hospital where he passed away a short time later from an apparent heart attack. Douglas was 56 years old. If you don't mind, I'd just like to go off topic here just for a minute. I'd like to take a moment and, and talk about one of the officers mentioned above that was killed in the line of duty, Detective Justin Terry. He was a friend of mine. I worked with Justin when we were both in patrol several years ago. You know, Justin always always had a smile on his face, and uh, he always, always had a hug for uh, everybody that he met. He was such a, an amazing man who lived his life to the fullest. He's, he's left a huge hole in the community here. He served and protect for nearly 21 years. My heart just, just breaks for his, his wife and his two sons. I pray for them. I pray for his family. I pray for his co-workers that work with him. I miss him being around. Yeah, it's tough. Justin, I miss you, brother. Uh, rest in peace and, uh, until we meet again. I appreciate uh, Let me take the time to, to just say a little something for our fallen brother here. If you go to our website, it's www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. There's a link on that website called Tribute Page. If you click on that link, you can see a photo of Justin. Below it gives you an option to leave a message if you want. If, if you know him or you worked around him, I'm sure the, it'd be nice to leave a little little something there. I'm going to update it as soon as I can. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm new to the whole website thing. I'm, I'm not the smartest when it comes to working on those, but I'm, I'm hoping that I can go in there and put all the photos of law enforcement and first responders who um, have paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and put a tribute page on there and put their photos or some type of documentation in there so that anybody that wants to can go in there and, and any of the for between each episode and put their information in there and put a little tribute to them. Anybody can go in there and link on that tribute page and can go in there and see the photos of the fallen heroes and pay tribute to them. So right now I have Justin's on there, but I, I do plan to go in there and putting as many as I can. I don't know if I can add more 
or if it just only allows me to have one on there right now. But I, I plan. If, if I can't add more, I will. But right now, and I have suggestions. If you want to, you can. Like I said, it's always responding. Podcast.com, and the link is tribute page. So again, thank you for allowing me this opportunity just to kind of get that off my off my chest. And uh, it's, it's weighing heavy on everybody here and his family, obviously. But uh, Justin, we miss you, brother. We'll see you soon. Always Responding will continue to pay tribute each and every episode to all the brave men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And we do that just so they're never forgotten. We also will update the number for first responders' suicides. There have been 60 law enforcement officers who've committed suicide this year, 11 firefighters, and three correction officers. And like I spoke in my last episode, there are programs out there for law enforcement. There's programs out there for firefighters, EMS, corrections, dispatchers, all first responders to get help. There's programs out there with people that are standing by right now 24-7 to get you the help, get us the help that we need. Whether you're the one struggling or you're the friend or the coworker that sees somebody struggling, there's ways that, that we can get out there and, and, and help keep these numbers low. If you want someone to talk to, you can call. There's the cop line, 1-800-COP-LINE. That's 1-800-267-5463. Answered by retired officers, vetted and trained as peer active listeners. The hotline is open to active and retired officers and their families who are dealing with the many stressors involved in police work, both on and off the job. It's operational 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cop line deals with everything from a bad day to a full-blown mental health crisis, not just when an officer feels suicidal. They want officers and their families to know they can call whenever they feel the need to talk to someone. Copline will always have someone there ready to listen. Again, that's 1-800-COPLINE. And to our brothers and sisters from the fire department, there's a support group for you as well. It's called FireStrong, and you can access their site by logging on at www.firestrong.org. And like I always say, it takes all of us to make a difference, but we have to do this together. And when I say all of us, I'm, I'm not talking about just the boots on the ground. I'm not talking about us, the ones that go out and do call to call to call that are the ones that are struggling. I'm talking about our administration too. I'm talking about the guys up in the ivory tower. This takes all of us. We have to start from bottom to the top, everybody. And speaking of that, I just finished a great book called Relentless Courage by retired police sergeant Michael Sugru. It's S-U-G-R-U-E and uh, psychologist Shauna Doc Springer. It chronicles Michael's police career and uh, how he dealt with and won the battle against frontline trauma. Now, the way the book is written is so different from other ways in that each chapter is broken down in two separate versions. Now, the first is Michael's story, right? It's a glimpse into his world as a cop. It's a cop's view. It talks about his interactions, his dealings, how he goes on calls and things like that, right? And Doc Springer has an exceptional way of placing the reader right in the seat, right beside Michael, almost as if you're completing a ride-along. Then, during the second half of each chapter, Doc Springer breaks down, in her clinical terms, what Michael was experiencing during the previous story. But she does it in an easy-to-follow, layman terms. I mean, if I can read it, I can understand it, you're going to have no problem. Relentless Courage covers Michael as he struggles with trauma from the job and how it affected him throughout his career. Michael opens up about suicide and how there's stigma around that with first responders. Michael and Doc Springer walk the reader through the beginning, his excitement and anticipation for a long, successful career, how things take a traumatic turn one terrible December night. His life, personal and professional, will never be the same. In the end, 
Michael learns after years of some very hard lessons the importance of not keeping things that bother you to yourself, not to bottle trauma up. Talk to someone, anyone. I highly recommend Relentless Courage. I ordered mine off Amazon and it was at my front door within two days. I really think this book should be a mandatory required reading material for all first responder promotional exams. I really do. The reason I say that is because I'm not going to ruin it for you. I really think you should read it, but it really hits hard how administration, and I'm not saying all administration, but a lot of administration kind of kind of shuns off people or pushes off how somebody that's going through a trauma, they don't really take it that serious because it's not something you can see. It's not visible. It's not like somebody comes in with a, a dislocated shoulder or a broken arm or something that's visual, right? Somebody can tell you they're, they're suffering from it or they're having issues with it. But a lot of times if you don't see it, a lot of people don't believe it, right? They don't, if you don't see it, it's not there. This book really hits hard of how Michael was treated, especially in the administrative part of the job. And I talked to Michael on this, his dealing with his administration and how he was treated by them, that really hit a, a, a hard core with me and really bothered me. That was the worst part of the uh, me reading the book is how he was treated by his administration and then how they viewed his trauma and how it, how, how it was affecting him. That's why I suggest that this would be a book, if you're trying to promote in a first responder profession, that this should be a book that you should read because it's how you do not treat somebody who's going through trauma. That, and that's really the reason I say that. So once again, it's called Relentless Courage. And then at the end of the book, Doc Springer was able to put down and write down a bunch of sources and places available for all first responders to contact and to reach out to. And just some of these places are just phenomenal resources for us as first responders to have access to and places that are beneficial to all of us that are struggling or having um, issues with trauma or stress or even possibly suicidal thoughts that we can reach out to and have support for. And I have taken all the sources that she put in the back of that book, I've put those on a resource page on my website so that you can go to that website and link those as well. So if you want at any point in time, you can go to my website, www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com, hit the resource tab or the link, and all these resources that Doc Springer has put on at the back of her book, I've also added onto the website. And then you go in there, find one if you if you like them. Any of the resources, there's links on them, and it'll take you right to their website as well. I'll read just a couple here real quick that um, I find very useful. There's a crisis and peer support line with um, text numbers you can text for if you're law enforcement or if you're just any other uh, agency, you can call and text. There's a 1033 Foundation, which is staffed by current and former first responders, military members, and their families who understand firsthand the struggles of living these careers. They offer assistance through education and crisis intervention. There's a 911 at Ease International, provides first responders and their families access to free and confidential trauma-informed counseling. Blue Help, their mission is to reduce mental health stigma through education, advocate for benefits, for those suffering from post-traumatic stress, Boulder Crest, Boulder Crest Signature Path, that's P-A-T-H-H, it's progressive and alternative training for health heroes programs, teaches their participants how to make peace with their past, live in the present, and begin planning for their future. The Code 9 Project is their mission is to educate, train, and advocate for the prevention of PTSD and suicide for all first responders, veterans, and their families. 
There's a First Responder Support Network, FRSN, and their mission is to provide educational treatment programs to promote recovery from stress and critical incidences experienced by first responders and their families. Frontline First, and through specialized training, compassion, and faith, Frontline First to help first responders, military personnel, and community effectively prepare for, deal with, and reduce the emotional injury caused by crisis and trauma. So you can see there's quite a few different links here and resources available. Like I said, I put them all on my website, www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. And once you link on that and, and click on that resource page and see all these different resources, all their websites and links are on there as well, plus their phone numbers. So it's really accessible. And then once you hit that, it'll take you right to their website. The last one here I want to talk about is the one that Michael and them actually talk about in their book. And this is the one that Michael went to and helped him personally. So I just want to talk about this one real quick. It's called the West Coast Post Trauma Retreat. It's WCPR. The WCPR program is for first responders whose lives have been affected by their work experience. The WCPR residential program provides an educational experience designed to help current and retired first responders recognize the signs and symptoms of work-related stress, including post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and themselves and others. Um, So like I said, I mean, these are just some phenomenal programs uh, that Doc Springer put in the back of her book. So I wanted to share them with you as well and make them accessible for any of my listeners who, you know, are feeling the struggle and the stress of the job and are feeling kind of like they don't want to talk to somebody or feeling weird about it, this gives you the opportunity to do it anonymously where you you, you can just click, click on the link on my website and it opens up all these other websites or all these different programs and you can talk to all these professionals who can give you the help that you need. And I strongly recommend you do that because the numbers don't lie. What I say earlier is 60 now for law enforcement and uh, 11 for firefighters. The numbers just keep going up. I mean, from the last episode to this one, I think it's already gone up three more with the police. So please, I, I, I just ask that if you are struggling, if you are having issues nowadays, the stress level with, with everything going on with the country, with the economy, with COVID, I, I get it. It's a lot different than it was years ago. And if you are having issues, if you are struggling, I just please www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com resource tab. Just check it out. And and Always Responding, we believe it's so important for anyone that feels that they are struggling or feel like they are alone and have no one to turn to. Realize you're not alone. There are so many of us out there that feel the way that you do. We're here to help. You have so many options available for you. All you need to do is reach out, pick up a phone, ask a friend, a coworker, a loved one. If you see someone that you believe is struggling, Don't be afraid to talk to them. Ask if they're okay. Ask if they want to talk. If not to you, then possibly to someone else. Don't take it personal if they don't want to talk to you. Be glad they want to talk to someone. If you care about them, be glad to get them help. That's the important thing. You know this career can really take its toll on you before you even realize it. The level of stress we endure over the length of our entire career can be devastating. Yet, as I said before in my earlier episodes, no one sits down with us when we first start out and talks with us about the ways to really deal with the stress, ways to decompress after every dynamic call, every bad shift, to leave work at work. If we had training like that at the beginning of our careers, not just a one-hour class in the academy, then maybe, just maybe, some of these numbers we see rising every year with the suicides and with our brothers and sisters dealing with alcohol abuse and dealing with domestic violence calls would start to go down. I don't know, just a thought, but it's got to start somewhere, right? As we come to an end of this episode, it's another edition of War Stories. 
On today's episode, I thought I would talk about how P90X helped catch a car thief. So I was working patrol and probably in my early to mid 40s. I had decided the best way for me to stay in shape was to work out with Tony Horton P90X program. Now, if anyone out there has ever used these programs, then you know they can be brutal, but they can also get you in really good shape. So during this time, I had been using the program for a good period and was in decent shape. Fast forward to my patrol shift. I was driving around during a normal shift, it was a swing shift, in a very busy section of the area where I patrolled. I ran a vehicle license plate and immediately received a hot hit stolen vehicle, return on my patrol vehicle, computer screen. The vehicle was occupied three to four times, and as soon as the driver saw me, he dipped into an apartment complex. I had to turn around to catch up with him, and knowing the complex, I knew there was another exit to the north. So I dispatched the vehicle description to my responding units and drove to the north exit, believing the driver would attempt to leave back out through that location. Sure enough, as soon as I pulled into the parking lot, here comes the stolen vehicle right at me. The driver and I made eye contact. He slams on his brakes, car tires screech to a halt. All four doors come flying open and all occupants take off running in four different directions. But all I care about is the driver. He takes off running south through the complex. I'm out of my patrol vehicle the second the driver opens his door and I'm giving out radio traffic. Foot pursuit! WMA! Light clothing headed south through the complex. The male turns west and ran out onto the main street and back south. I continue right on his trail. Stop! Police! I keep yelling, but he kept running. The male jumped over a wall that was surrounding the apartment complex just south of where the foot pursuit originated. I had to slow down and slow peek the wall to ensure the suspect wasn't sitting on the other side waiting for me with a weapon. Once the slow peek was done, I hopped the wall and was back in the chase. By this time, the suspect had disappeared out of my line of sight around the apartment building. So I started to slow approach the building again so I could cut the pie so the suspect wouldn't be able to get the jump on me. As I was approaching the corner of the apartment building, I heard very heavy breathing coming from behind a ground level AC unit. I looked behind the unit and lo and behold, there's my suspect laying on the ground doing his best to hide behind the AC unit from me. He was coughing and breathing so heavy, I thought he was going to pass out. Now, it should be noted, this suspect was in his early to mid-20s at the time of the incident. So I'm walking him back to my patrol vehicle. He's coughing and breathing and hacking. And I say to him, do you know who Tony Horton is? He says, no. So I say, have you ever heard of P90X? And he says, the workout program? And I say, yep. And he says, yeah, I've heard of that. And I say, well, Tony Horton and P90X just helped catch your ass. He just drops and just keeps coughing. <laughs> That's my war story. I hope you enjoyed it. I can't make this stuff up. We're wrapping up another edition of Always Responding. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I truly appreciate it. We are all in this together, and we are all first responders. If you're a corrections, fire, EMS, or a dispatcher, and would love to be on the show, please email us at alwaysresponding at gmail.com. We would love to get you on and interview you for one of our upcoming shows. But remember, everyone on the show will be asked to provide a war story for the episode's ending. So have one ready. No exceptions. We also have our website up and running, so please stop by and check it out. It's www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. Once there, you'll find links such as reading material, where I will post material associated to our topic that listeners might find interesting to read, a tribute page, like I mentioned before. We plan on posting photos of first responders who pay the ultimate sacrifice. There's a place on the page for listeners to leave comments if they like. 
register as a guest. This link allows anyone wishing to be a guest on an episode can click on the link and you can fill out all your information as it pertains to you. That then gets emailed to us and we can set up a time for you to be on the show. Guests. This link shows the names of all guests who have been on the podcast in the past. Review. You can leave reviews. We love to hear from our listeners and we'll post your review on the website. And of course, all episodes are located on the website and are available for your listening pleasure. Again, that's www dot alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. Thanks again for spending some time with me today. I hope everyone has a long, safe, and healthy career. This is KB with Always Responding saying thank you. And remember, as they would always say in that 80s cop show, let's be safe out there.